you all are doing well. If you have your Bible, please open it to Colossians chapter 2. We'll be looking at verses 6 through 15. Colossians chapter 2, verses 6 through 15. A a friend and and a mentor of mine once said in one of his sermons that that life is God showing us that Christ is all we have, Christ is all we need, and Christ is all we got. That's truthful and yet convicting. Because each of us, if we're honest with ourselves, we've drifted away from Jesus in some way this week. Either unbelief has, has been our buddy at some point. Our hearts have attached itself to false saviors and, and lords. Our lifestyles haven't always matched up with what we claim to believe. Life circumstances have weighed us down. Heartache and disappointments and pain have, have been raining down on us all week. And some of us come here with an empty spiritual tank. You're empty. You had to make yourself come to church today. Others of you, your your tank is full because you're doing okay for now. And then there are those who who are putting diesel fuel into their unleaded tank. You've been substituting Jesus for false saviors. But you didn't know it until today because I just said it. But here's the reality. Each of you, no, no matter your condition of your spiritual tank, Each of you need Jesus, more of Jesus, not less of Jesus. He is all you need. He is all you have, and he is all you got. And our problem is that we don't really believe that. We don't really believe that. We think it's Jesus plus. If I have Jesus and I have something else, then my life has meaning. Then my life has purpose. Jesus is the center of everything. He is the focus. He is the key. He is the main event of your life. And in the book of Colossians, Paul is reminding the Colossians of this truth, this truth about Jesus in their life, and that the name of the sermon series, that Jesus is the greatest of all time. He is the goat. That's who he is. He is the greatest of all time. He is superior to all. He is better than all. He's greatest. He's the greatest in every way and everything. And he would never be dethroned. Okay, how many false saviors you build up in your life? They ain't ever going to be Jesus. There's only one. And every single believer in this world, you are in union with Jesus. You are in union in the goat. And you must embrace this union. You must live out this union. And it's this wonderful union that Paul talks about in Colossians chapter 2, beginning in verse 6. Therefore, as you receive Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in him, rooted and built up in him, established in the faith, just as you were taught, abounding in thanksgiving. See to it that no one takes you captive by philosophy or empty deceit, according to human tradition, according to the elementary spirits of the world, not according to Christ. For in him the whole fullness of deity dwells bodily. And you have been filled in him who is the head of all rule and authority. 
in him also you were circumcised with, with a circumcision made without hands by putting off the body of the flesh by the circumcision of Christ, having been buried with him in baptism, in which you were also raised with him through faith in the powerful working of God who raised him from the dead. And you, who were dead in your trespasses, uncircumcision of your flesh, God made alive with him, having forgiven all of our trespasses by canceling the record of debt that stood against us with his legal demands. This he set aside, nailing it to the cross. He disarmed the rulers and authorities and put them to open shame by triumphing over them in Christ. This is God's holy word. Please pray with and for me. Father, it's hard to preach truth that is hard for you to believe. And I need your spirit to move and speak through me. It's been a long week. It's been a hard week. And I'm limping into the pulpit today. But I need your spirit. That your power be made perfect in my weakness. And I am weak. I pray that Christ would be glorified in what takes place here, what is said here. I pray that you would give a word to your people, that you would minister to them, and also minister to me because I need that same word. So, Holy Spirit, we, we need you to move. We need you to come. We need you to remind us of, of how good our Father is. We need you to change hearts. We need you to give us encouragement. Some of us need to be rebuked, but some of us need to be reminded that, 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 that there is always hope. So, Holy Spirit, you are the counselor. You are our helper. And I beg and plead with you to help all of us now. It is in Christ's name that I pray. Amen. Last Saturday... Uh, my family and I went to the Madison Small Group Cookout at Amos and Jessica's house. And it was a great time of fellowship. And one of the funniest moments of, uh, there was watching all the kids play on the slip and slide. And this wasn't your regular slip and slide. It wasn't your average Joe slip and slide. It was a fancy slip and slide because it was a, it was a slide and splash bowling water slide. And so you had these six inflatable bowling pins. And the kids, well, they were the human bowling balls. And it was fun to watch. But before the fun began, Amos and I had to put the sipping slide together. And we did so without reading the instructions. Because who reads the instructions? Write the sipping slide. It can't be that hard. And we should have read the instructions before we put it together. And, and so you always read the instructions. You don't, all, don't need to step out in the assumption that you're smart enough to figure it out. And the same is true when it comes to your union in Christ. Don't assume you got it figured out. Don't assume you got it down packed. Don't assume you already know what it is. Before you step out and embrace it, before you step out and try to live out of it, you need to read the instructions first. You need to read the instructions first. Always do that. And in Colossians 2, 6 through 15, the Apostle Paul gives us the instructions for union in Christ. For us and for the Colossians. 
he begins by commanding them to continue to live out of this union. Look at verse 6. Therefore, as you have received Christ the Lord, so walk in him. They have the responsibility to live out of this union in Christ in practical and real ways. They have the responsibility to, to stand firm in the traditional and biblical teachings about Jesus Christ that was passed on to them. And this is a new information. Paul has already told them back in chapter 1 that they should walk, live a life in, in a manner worthy of the Lord that's fully pleasing to him. So he just reinforces something that he's already told them. Their union with Christ and your union with Christ calls you to live and behave in a certain way. But do you believe it? Do you believe it? In order for you to believe, behave rightly, you have to first believe rightly. You need the union and the GOAT instructions. We all need those instructions. And, and this is what you need. You need to Uber these instructions in Christ. And I'm not talking about the transportation service, Uber. For me, Uber is an acronym. It's an acronym for believe. I'm sorry, acronym for understand, believe, execute, remember. Uber. Understand, believe, execute, remember. That's what you have to do when it comes to your union in Christ. And all these instructions that Paul is going to give, all these instructions are about what our Trinitarian God is doing in his people. It's what he is doing in you. It's what he has done to you. And all these instructions are going to show you that Jesus is all you have. He's all you need. And he's all you got. And we got to believe that. Paul illustrates this with metaphors and word pictures. He begins in, in verses 6 and 7. He says, As you have received Christ, so walk in him, rooted and built up in him, established in the faith, just as you were taught, abounding in thanksgiving. This first illustration is a gardening metaphor. It's an agricultural metaphor. Like a seed taking root in the ground, so are believers like a tree sending its roots deep into the ground, so are believers in their Lord. And that's the picture that Christ has given us here, that Jesus is the ground, the soil that believers are planted in. You take root in him. He's the fertile soil. He's the firm foundation. He's the solid rock. And all believers all over the world have been rooted in Jesus Christ by the power of God. No, amen statement. Okay. It's an amen statement. Not currently rooted. You have been rooted in Jesus. Well, what does that mean, Pastor? It means the day you received Christ in faith was the day God rooted you in Jesus. The day you said, yes, Lord, the day you received him in faith was the day that God rooted you in him. Union in Christ means you have been you are firmly rooted and anchored in Jesus forever. Forever. And nothing in all creation is powerful enough to uproot you from him. Amen. I'll be holding, I'm, do I just need to hold this the whole time? Because <laughs> his holding grip on you is too powerful. It's too strong. Jesus says in John 6, 39, And this is the will of him who sent me, 
that I should lose nothing of all that he has given me, but raise it up on the last day. He's talking about you. He's talking about you. That he would not lose you. His grip on you is too strong. His grace on you is too strong. You are too rooted in him to ever be uprooted by your circumstances, by your struggles. Because he has you. And you must uber this instruction of Christ. Remember. Understand, remember, execute. Will you? The second illustration is what I call the architect or building metaphor. And it's like an architect designing a building or a contractor who builds up that building. So is God when it comes to building you up. God is the architect. God is the builder when it comes to you, when it comes to your walk. He says you are being built up in Christ. This is something that is happening to you. God is doing this in you. And it takes time to design a building. And it takes more time to build it up. You realize that, right? Like Rome wasn't built in the day. Elias architect, he knows. And the same is true for you. You might not be where you want to be, but you're not where you are. It's the point. He is building in you. He is working in you. In you, in the Colossians. Union in Christ means you are being designed in Christ and you are being built up in Christ all by the power of God. And God continues to do this in you throughout all the days of your life. And he doesn't get tired. He doesn't go to sleep. doesn't take a break. It's a process. It does not happen overnight. This is something I need to remind myself of. It does not happen overnight. It's a process. It's a work, but it is a guarantee. God is building you up even when you don't feel it. Because our emotions, they're real, they're valid, but they sometimes pay tricks on us. They are never the, the determinant of who God is in your life. You got to know that. Because our emotions, they're tricky. They will deceive you. For even when your life is spinning out of control, God is not out of control. He's at work. Even when you feel like you're slipping, even when you feel, feel like you're spinning out of control, know that God has you. He is edifying you. He is building you up. Paul says in the Philippians 1.6, And I'm sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Christ Jesus. And that's a promise. You didn't begin the good work. He began it in you. Unless you think God is a liar. Unless you think God is not able. Unless you think God can't do it. I'm telling you, he can do it. He can do it and he is doing it. So you must uber this union and the GOAT instructions as well. Understand it. Believe it. Execute it. Remember it. God is progressively building you up in his son. Because you are his people. you got to believe that. The next illustration is, is what I call a transaction metaphor. And it's like whenever you make get a purchase from the store, you're given a receipt or you're given a title. And the title and the receipt confirms that the transaction has taken place. It guarantees that you have actually purchased something. And so they confirm it. They, get, they establish it. So believers, you have been purchased by God. You got to know that. The transaction has taken place. But when did it take place, Pastor? The day you receive Christ in faith. 
was the day God purchased you out of your sin through the death of his son. So God has the title. God has the receipt. And he ain't ever going to take it down to the title place. He owns you. You are his forever. And what Paul is saying here is that because of that, God will continue to confirm you in the faith, to help you to believe and to trust in Jesus and the truth of the scriptures, that God will do this in you. He will help you understand them, to grow in them, to live in them, that you don't march out of here with, without the power of God. Christ doesn't save us and says, go figure it out yourself, guys. I did all the work now. Now it's up to you. The power that saves you is the power that keeps you to the very end. We are not orphans. We are not independent. Even though we're going to be celebrating Independence Day, we live in dependency on God, not independence of him. And that's our problem. We always want to be independent of him. We always think life is better outside the Father's house. It's never better. You grow more into dependency, not independence from the Father. Our sin pushes us away from him. But his love and his grace should draw you closer to him. Got to believe that. Got to believe that. Must execute this. Understand it. Believe it. Remember it. The fourth metaphor is a a metaphor of of someone being completely incorporated into something that, that already exists. Like you to be integrated into it, to be united with it. Look at verses 9 and 10. For in him the whole fullness of deity dwells bodily. And you have been filled in him who is the head of all authority and rule. Jesus is fully God. Jesus is fully man. That's another amen statement. To deny his divinity is to deny half of who he is. Know that. To deny that he's God is to deny half of who he is. In Jesus, the whole fullness of deity dwells bodily. In Jesus, the whole fullness of humanity dwells bodily. The whole person of Jesus has two natures. He is God and he is man. And we have to believe that. And every believer is completely filled in the whole Jesus. Not half of Jesus. You are filled in all of who he is. And do you know what that means? That means everything that makes you you has been filled in the whole Jesus. Everything that makes you you has been incorporated into him, integrated into him, united into him. The whole you has been completely filled in Jesus. And it's not half of who you are. Your whole person has been filled into him. Please don't make light of this union with Christ. This is the one that I struggle with. But it's powerful and it's, and it's comforting because Jesus doesn't just care about your spiritual well-being. He cares about your physical well-being as well. Your emotional well-being too. He cares about your livelihood. He cares about your pain. He cares when you, you lose loved ones. He cares when your car breaks down. He cares when you feel stressed. 
He cares when you face hardships. He cares when you have hardships and sufferings and injustice. He cares about every inch of the reality of your life, big or small. He cares about the whole person, not half of the person. The whole you. Everything that makes you you has been filled in Christ. And your tank may be on empty this morning, because mine is, but Christ's tank is never on empty when it comes to his people. It ain't ever on empty. His tank is full when it comes to you. For all of Jesus loves all of you all the time. All the time. All your curves and all your edges. He loves. I know I stole that from R&B song. Uh, So it ain't mine. He cares about all of you. And he is able to meet Every need that you may have, not half of your needs. And that's, and that's another problem that we have. We think Jesus will give me half of our needs, and we got to go to other things to get the other half. No, he meets all of your needs. Not half of them. All of them he meets. Paul says in Philippians four nineteen, and my God will supply every need of yours. What you say, Pastor? Every need is what I said. According to the riches of glory in Christ Jesus. I'm going to say that again. And my God will supply every need of yours in the riches and glory in Christ Jesus. Every need. But do you believe it? Or do you think God is a liar? Or do you think he's not able? Do you think he's weak? That he's shady? He's none of those things. Jesus isn't a part-time Savior. He isn't a part-time Lord. He's on the clock all the time. No matter what the enemy is whispering in your heart and mind, no matter what your circumstances say, no matter what is happening in the world, Jesus is able, Jesus is willing, and Jesus will. And there's an old black gospel song that says, Trouble in my way. And I have to cry sometimes. Trouble in my way, I have to cry sometimes. I lay awake at night, but that's all right. Why is it all right? Because Jesus will fix it after a while. That's why it's all right. That's why it's all right. Because trouble will be in your way. And you will cry sometimes. You will lay awake at night. But if you don't believe God is able, if you don't believe Jesus is willing, you will live in despair all the days of your life. If you don't believe, you will see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. What do you believe about Jesus? What do you believe about your union in Jesus? What do you believe? Union in Christ means your whole person is completely filled in the whole Jesus. And the whole Jesus cares and loves about the whole you. Even your broken places. And you must over this instruction in Christ. You must understand it in your mind. You must believe it in your heart. You must execute it in your daily life. And you must remember it when you forget. Because you will forget. Some of you are going to forget as soon as you go to lunch. The final metaphor Paul uses to illustrate this union with Christ is this. It's found in verses 11 and 12. 
He uses Old Testament and circumcision to, to do this. And, and Genesis 17, verses 1 through 4, shows that physical circumcision was instituted by God to be a sign of the covenant between him and, and his people Israel. It, it separated and set Israel apart from the nations. It dedicated them to God. It identified them as worshipers of Yahweh. It revealed their allegiance. And there was also a spiritual sense to this circumcision in the Old Testament. And this is talked about the circumcision of the heart. And that is talked about in the Old Testament. Leviticus 26 talks about it. Jeremiah 4.4 talks about it. Ezekiel 4.49 talks about it. And Deuteronomy 10.16 says, Circumcise therefore the foreskin of your heart and be no longer stubborn. You see, believers have been circumcised by the circumcision of Christ. And his circumcision, I believe, has a spiritual sense and a physical sense. Look at verses 11 and 12. In him you were circumcised with a circumcision made without hands, by putting off the body of the flesh by the circumcision of Christ, having been buried with him in baptism, in which you were also raised with him through faith in the powerful working of God who raised him from the dead. Christ circumcises his people spiritually. He circumcises the whole person. The old you is gone. And the new you is born again in its place. New passions. New desires. New loyalties. New allegiance. New identity. The circumcision of Christ, it frees you from the power of sin. It frees you from its dominion over you. And I love the NIV translation. It says, Your whole self, ruled by the flesh, was put off when you were circumcised by Christ. Your whole self, ruled by the flesh, was put off when you were circumcised by Christ. One commentator says, by by Christ's physical death, he dealt with our sensual natures, natures. He broke their power over us, stripped them of their authority in our lives, and initiated us into a new way of living in union with him. That's what Christ has done through, his, through your circumcision. He's given you a new way to live in union with him. This circumcision is also physical, and that is through the act of baptism. He says, in baptism, Paul says, identifies you with Christ in his death and resurrection. You have been buried with Christ in baptism, raised with him through faith. Believers are set apart You are alive in Christ. You belong to him. Union in Christ means you are actually new. Do you you know that? You have been, you are a new creation. The old has gone and the new has come. That's what you get from your union in Christ. You have truly been born again. Thank you. Unless you don't care about being born again. It means you have new loyalties. It means you have new allegiances. So what's the implications of that, Alice? That means all your old loyalties are gone. All those other things you should give your time to that dishonor Christ, you don't give them your time anymore. It means you serve this Savior. You don't serve, serve other Saviors. It means everything about you is now trying to line up with what Christ says is true. That's what it means. What he cares about, you care about. What he loves and who he loves, that's who you love. 
Your priorities are changing. Christ's priorities become your priorities. That's what that means. It means you belong to Jesus. Down to the shoes on your feet belong to him. And if there's anything in your life you think don't belong to Christ, then that is some type of savior for you. Because there's not anything in our life that Christ has not said, that's mine. That's mine. I'll let you be a steward of it, but at the end of the day, it's mine. And you are his. That means your identity is in Jesus. Your security is in Jesus. Your significance is in Jesus. You in solidarity with Jesus. That's what that means. That none of the other things you give yourself to are ever going to fill you. Politics, religion, whatever, other religions, that thing that will never fill you. It's Jesus at the end of the day. He is all you got. He is all you need. And he is all you have. And God is showing you that. Some of us got to learn it the hard way. Because some of us are knuckleheads. Some of us only learn through experience. So some of you are going through the fire because God's saying, Hello! I'm all you got. I'm all you need. And all you got at the end of the day. Understand this. Believe it. Execute it. Remember. Union in Christ is a gift given to you freely. Something that you cannot earn. So if you're here and you don't know Jesus, you can't get in those things by working for it. It's given to you. Because Paul says in verses 13 and 14, he says, And you who were dead in your trespasses and uncircumcision of your flesh. That's who you were before Christ pulled you out of the pit. <coughs> you got to know that. And so that means at some point you were God's enemy. And so when we become Christians, we forget that. We think we were always God's friend. You were God's enemy before he pulled you out of that pit. That's who you were. Because God said, these people always forget where they come from. They forget. I saved them from that. Not because they were good. Not because they were good southern folk. Not because of their politics. Not because they helped the poor. I pulled them out because I loved them. I, I didn't have to do it. You were dead in your trespasses and sins. But God made you alive. Together with Jesus. When he forgave all of your trespasses. Think about that. All your trespasses. Past, present, future. Have all been canceled. The debt has been paid. When Christ hung on that cross for you. That means you don't have to get up on the cross with him. Unless you believe his payment wasn't good enough. If it ain't good enough, then we're in trouble. We are in big, big trouble. He canceled the debt against you. He nailed it to the cross. And that should be worded to your soul. Not part of the debt. All of the debt has been nailed to the cross and you bear it no more. And your response to this should be what Paul says in the verse 6, that you should have Thankfulness to God. 
gratefulness to God. That no matter how bad it is, there's something you should be thankful for from God. Something you should be grateful for. Because no matter how bad or painful life is, Jesus is what you need. No matter how good and great life is, it's not about you. It's about Jesus. It's still Jesus is all you got. Because no matter how many times you try to substitute Jesus with false saviors, you're going to find out that Jesus is enough and Jesus is all I got. Because those things are going to disappoint you at some point. That's what you got to know. So if your tank is on empty this morning, and you need to Uber your union in Jesus. If your tank is on full this morning, you still need to Uber your union with Jesus. And if you're putting the wrong gas in your tank, then you definitely need to be Uber your union in Jesus. Because you're going to be disappointed at some point. And that's one hymn says, My hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. I dare not trust the sweetest frame. But wholly lean on Jesus' name. On Christ, the solid rock, I stand. And all other grounds have been sinking sand, is sinking sand, and will be sinking sand. Let's pray. Father, none of us are good enough, but Christ was good enough. And I thank you for this union. And I pray that you would help us to to, to live it out, Lord, to believe it, that everything that we need, we have in our union with Christ. Nothing else is needed. So help us remember those things. Let your spirit encourage us this week. Thank you for your goodness. Thank you for your faithfulness. Thank you that you don't treat us as our sin deserves. And I pray for all of this in your son's wonderful name. Amen. Will you please stand as we close our service? my heart and let the healer set me free. I'm happy to be in truth and I will daily lift my hands for I will always sing of when your love came down. I could sing of your love forever. I could sing forever. I could sing of the I could sing of your love. 
could sing of your love forever. I could sing of your love forever. Well, if you are a guest, joining us for worship today. Thank you uh, so much for being with us. It's an honor to have you uh, visit with our family.